receiver to the left, two to the right for Mike Riley, who takes the snap. It may not be June yet. Looks to the left and unloads to the left. But you can sense. To the 10, the 5. The Eskimos' 70th season is almost here. Almost here. Touchdown, Eskimos. Luke Williams to the end zone. Across the 15 to the 10. Touchdown, Eskimos. Adele Hazel to Bryant. Mitchell takes the first pie out of the oven. Game in the hands of the defense. Pressure's coming again. Jennings throws up into the air. Incomplete. Eskimos win it. This is the Eskimos Preview Show. And the Eskimos will take the lead. With your hosts, Morley Scott and Dave Campbell on Eskimos Radio. 630 Chad. And good evening, everybody. Welcome. It's been a long offseason. It always is. But the end, my friends, is near. 12 days till training camp. 20 days from now, we'll all gather at the Brickfield at Commonwealth Stadium to begin the preseason. For the next two hours here on 630 Ched, the voice of one empire, we'll talk Eskimos football with you. Thanks for joining us. Coming up tonight, quarterback Mike Riley. That's uh, coming up at about 6.45 tonight after 7 o'clock. Offensive lineman, past and present. Blake Dermott will join us, also stopping by Justin Sorensen and Matt O'Donnell. But hey, look, Dave Campbell's here as well. How are you, Dave? I'm good. How are you, Morley? I'm good, thank you. Well, and let's kick it off in, uh, in with a bang here. Uh, pleasure to be joined by the uh, Vice President of Football Operations, General Manager of the Edmonton Eskimos, Brock Sunderland. Brock, nice to see you. Thanks for having me. And the head coach, and now, once again, offensive coordinator for the Edmonton Eskimos, Jason Moss. Jason, thanks for coming down. Nice to see you. Nice to see you as well. Thank you. I guess we'll just start with you, Brock. Uh, the draft happened, as Morley said, we're 12 days away from the start of camp. Uh, I guess, tell me about... Uh, I guess where your mindset is uh, with uh, with the season just around the corner here. Mostly excited, you know, most of the haze in the barn as far as the roster goes. We're going to have a couple more moves probably, um, flushing out a couple things and then getting the draft pick contracts done. And then we're pretty much ready to go. The 18th is when all the players get in and the 19th is medical day. So, you know, we're... Like you said, 12 days away from being off and running. We're very excited. Jason, the last uh, few weeks have been busy for you, obviously, with Carson Walsh leaving your OC from last year and your receivers coach and pass game uh, coordinator. And now you're the offensive coordinator. You had mini camp. You're helping out with the draft. What's it been like for you the last few weeks and what's yeah, left? It's been a, lot, a hard couple months, to be quite honest with you, since the moment that you find out about Carson and uh, trying to replace them and try to f- figure out who you're going to hire as a receivers coach and getting with Jordan and uh, Perini and Gibby with the playbook and trying to figure out what we're going to do. And uh, there's been a lot of moving pieces, but ultimately I think we're all comfortable where we're at right now. Uh, we had a great mini camp. Uh, it was good to get down to Vegas and see our team again and kind of get the 2018 season kicked off already. Um, so as busy as it's been, it's been great because football has been a big part of it. And then obviously with the draft, uh, integral part of your season and integral part of your building of your team, uh, it was great sitting with uh, Rob and, and Brock going over the players that we were looking at getting. And I uh, feel like we've we've got some guys that are going to make camp extremely competitive. Uh, question maybe for both of you. We'll start with you, Jason. Uh, mini camp. did you see anything there that surprised you? Did you see anything there that made you think, I want to change something this year? No, I mean, I think our guys got the message at the end of the year when we the last meeting we had before we all walked out the door was be in shape be ready to go uh when we're called upon again um i think everybody you know hit the ground running at minicamp you know the continuity of our staff with a a lot of our veteran players 
uh, the new guys coming in. You know, we got a lot done, but I think that continuity of all of us being together, we uh, it was fast-paced. It was uh, a lot of stuff got put in. Uh, we went through our team exercises. We basically repped what training camp's going to look like for three days, and you couldn't tell that was the first time a team had gotten together, and that was encouraging to see. So, uh, you know... Uh, looking forward to training camp now. Yeah, and you expect the carryover, right, from from the final day in Las Vegas to the first day in Edmonton? Absolutely, that's the plan. I mean, uh, there was a ton of carryover from the end of our season, to be quite honest with you. So I was pleasantly surprised where we where we picked picked up uh, in Vegas and where we left off in Vegas, and expect nothing but uh, that to continue in training camp. Brock, how, what's your approach to a mini camp? I, coach and GM obviously look at it a little bit differently. Yeah, a little bit. I think for, for the coaching staff, it's insertion and getting ahead, like Jason alluded to, getting ahead for training camp. For us, it's an evaluation. You go apples to apples. So that was really helpful to have the majority of the team there so we can compare bets to rookies. And that was really helpful in cutting down to 75. So it's a little different in that regard. But um, I'll echo what Jason said. The energy was great. The vibe was wonderful. Uh, the vets came in. You know, took a lot of leadership roles, and the energy was great. So looking forward to these guys hitting the ground running again here on the 20th. Uh, you made a lot of tough decisions, Brock, in the offseason, which that's just part of the deal. Um, some veterans left. Uh, you made some tough calls on a couple veterans. Uh, Brandon Zilstra left for the NFL. Um, so, uh, you know, you look at your core, and you had a core when you came in, you know, especially from the 2015 mm-hmm. uh, team. And, and then now you have – we are able to re-sign the most free agents, I believe, uh, of anyone from the league. So question is, and maybe i get Jason to answer this as well after you, but how did it look with some elements of that core from that championship team in 2015 mixed in with this core that we saw last season? Well, I would say it's good. We, we The crux of our leadership is still here. Mike Riley, Amondo Sewell, J.C. Sherritt, um, you know, Aaron Grimes. So we're not voiding leadership. There's still a veteran presence, and I, I would argue that ours is one of the best in the league from the teams I've been around, certainly ones I've been on. And then, you know, football is a very unique industry, whereas if you stay the same, all of a sudden you don't fall, as we say, fall off the cliff solely. It's not a gradual decline. Um, if you have guys maybe getting up towards the end of their career, it's very very quick so you have to replenish you have to find the next guy uh like just like jason had mentioned with the draft you have to find the next player so we're confident in the younger guys that we have and every move we make we're confident and is going to help the organization win and also what is best for the organization so not t- easy decisions as you'd mentioned but i think uh, i was brought here to make the right ones not the easy ones you have to make changes obviously everybody knows that how is it the, is the most difficult thing about that is to decide when the time is to make a move on a veteran player and maybe for both of you guys what's the what's the communication like between you two when you know you have the idea or you have the idea that you know we got to maybe make a change at this position i don't think the timing is ever ideal i think sometimes your hands forced you know sometimes it's contract related where they do a significant bonus where you know maybe that particular player isn't at that level anymore in your eyes and it's cap related so sometimes that's a part of it other times it's just a kind of a gut instinct where you know a younger player coming up might be a little better or another veteran that you feel can can carry the load just as well um communication wise i think that's one of the strengths that jason and i have is we're on the same page there's never a major move that that i'm going to make that he's not aware of and vice versa i think we we talk about who we have what the next step is and the i've been with organizations where they haven't been very successful and to me the biggest issue on those teams is when there's a disconnect between personnel and coaches it doesn't make a lot of sense for me to love a player and bring a guy in that they have no use for that they're not going to use in our scheme uh, and vice versa if there's someone that they really want and i don't like it doesn't make sense if a guy's just sitting out there so i think having that connection and that communication is vital 
Jason, do you have to change your thought process a bit? Because coach is little picture thinking. You know, you want to win the next game. Uh, GM is big picture thinking. He's got the, the salary cap to worry about and the future to worry about. How different are some of the transactions you guys had to do this offseason for you as a coach? I mean, they're, those are always discussions. I mean, I think when Brock's talking about communication, those all, all those factors get put into to players. It's not... You know, it's never easy, and it's there's it's never just you know, you wake up one morning and it gets done. There's reasons, and there's every we all know the contracts. I mean, I know basically, and I don't know the dollar values, but I know the years they have left. And so when they're getting closer to those years, and they're getting closer in age to the end rather than the beginning, you always know as you know there's going to be changes at some point. Um, and then you look at um, performance and all that. You know, I look at more performance than anything. You know, I'm looking at how people fit into our team. Um, so there's constant communication going on with that. Um, but none of those decisions are easy. I mean, it, it, it becomes very difficult and convoluted when you start thinking about everything. And at the end of the day, it all just comes back to you're trying to get the best team for the Edmonton Eskimos organization. Not right now, not three years. Right now, Brock has to think a little bit further ahead than I do, but we're still trying to win today no matter what. And I think we're, we're trying to find that common ground of – a guy that can stick around and still produce right now. Eskimos head coach Jason Moss, general manager Brock Sunderland, along with uh, myself, Morley Scott, and Dave Campbell in studio uh, here. It's a two-hour preview of the 2018 Eskimos season and the CFL season. Just a reminder, preseason will open up on May 27th. The Eskimos host the Saskatchewan Rough Riders on the Brickfield at Commonwealth Stadium. Regular season begins on June the 22nd at home. First home game against the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Just a reminder, single-game tickets now available at Ticketmaster.com for all Eskimo games. We'll take a break when we return more football with the coach and the GM. This is 6.30 Chet. 6.18 on 6.30 Chet. Morley Scott along with Dave Campbell. Uh, Brock Sunderland, Eskimo VP of uh, Football and General Manager in studio with us along with Head Coach uh, Jason Moss. We're here until 8 o'clock talking Eskimo football uh, with you. Uh, Mike Riley will join us in about a half an hour from now. Justin Sorensen and Matt O'Donnell after the news at uh, 7 o'clock. Uh, Blake Dermott's going to drop by as well. Uh, Brock, I want to start this part off talking about uh, you about the team this year. Last year you were given a team. Mm-hmm. You became General Manager late in the offseason and it was basically someone else's team and Hervey's team that you had to work with. Uh, how different is has your approach been and how different are the style of players or the players that we see on the roster this year from last year now that you've had a chance to kind of put your stamp on it? Well, I'm I did inherit a team, but I think through all the injuries we had, I kind of create another one anyway. <laughs> yeah, two teams so last was, yeah, I was going to say before three, we really. go on, uh, you're t- Dave said that you guys signed the most free agents in the offseason. I think you also signed the most free agents during the season, too. Didn't had you to have easily, yeah. yeah, just to feel the team we had, too. Yeah. Um, as far as different stamp, I mean, for me, it'll sound very cliche. It's just the best players available. Um, and I'll kind of refer to this quite a bit during the interview or is – knowing what the coaches want. Uh, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense if I like someone. So there's constant communication. It's guys that we think fit within our scheme, both offense and defense. Um, but I think a big thing that jumps out, and we went through this with the draft process, is we want Edmonton Eskimos. And what we mean by that is high effort guys, high character. They love football. They show up early. They stay late. They're good teammates. Uh, they play with a reckless abandon. And that's what we look for. So I think if there's a stamp, per se, of guys I'm looking for, it's football players above anything else. If a guy plays fast, I don't care if he times slow. Um, I want guys that fly around, the J.C. Sherrods, those type of guys. 
And I imagine, Jason, you're in the same book as that, you're same kind of player. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's pretty easy. I mean, Brock came in, we talked a lot about, you know, what the team was going to look like. And, you know, it's not, that, not that he inherited a bad team. I mean, we, we felt like we were winning. Um, he just helped, helped the process by getting the players that we needed when we needed them. Uh, but I think Brock and I think a lot of how to build a team and what kind of players we want. And he couldn't have said it best, better you know what we're looking for you know so those are the types of players with gritty hard working blue collar uh good teammate good guys that's what we're looking for they just happen to have to be playing good football too but uh you know we we want those kind of guys and we look for those kind of guys so um we're full of our roster's full of them right now you know i, I found it interesting because last year in training camp and i believe during uh your practice time you practiced you know, losing guys in a game and all the substitutions you would do. And unfortunately, it became too much of a reality for you. But going through that last year, and this is for both of you, um, you know, they, they, they say don't use injuries as an excuse. I think your team is a, a you know, you're the, you're the poster for that. Mm-hmm. But going forward, now that that group has experienced that, what are you hoping that that will do for this team for this season and beyond? Well, I think it just lets everybody know on the roster. What I hope it does for them is realize that the next man up is very realistic. If you're a third stringer, you could be starting. I mean, we had that last year. We had guys that came out of training camp that weren't even on our roster. They weren't a practice roster guy. They were on their couch on a Tuesday, and they were starting for us literally on a Saturday. So when you talk about pay attention because you could be in, I think last year was a perfect example of that coming to reality. Um, The other thing I'll say about the guys coming in and out, that's just good coaching, and I'm I'm not – you know, kissing up here, that's just situational football. So if you have guys that aren't dialed in during practice and they don't know where their role is or whatever, I think that's just part of being organized and, and understanding good situational football. Jason, tell me about going back to OC. Uh, what does that mean for you? Uh, and, and maybe reflect back to last year not being the offensive coordinator and and how much extra time you had and what you did with it and how you have to manage your time differently now that you're the offensive coordinator again. Well, going back to it now, I mean, um, you know, this time of year, when, when we found out kind of Carson was moving on, it was we were already in uh, trying to get our playbook together, doing all those things. So to, to bring a completely different mind in that hadn't been a part of our organization to make tough decisions, I think would have been very difficult. I also think the world of Jordan Maximic, who you know I promoted to the pass game coordinator and who I believe is going to be the next in line for the offense coordinator role. Um, you know, it was easy. You know, he's been with me for three years. He kind of understands what we're trying to do here. He worked under Carson for two years. So the things that we were evolving to or are looking at doing this year, that Carson stamp, you know, Jordan's very well um, versed on that. Um, you know, and it's just a, it's a job that I've done in the past and I'm comfortable doing. So that's the reason we did it. Um, as far as the other part of your question was what? I forget now. So. It was about t- your time commitments. Like, you had extra yeah. time last year. I know one thing I've learned about a football coach is he has no extra time. He just If he has extra time, he just finds more work. Well, how, do you, how do you change say this, your routine Last now? year was a bit different. I was hoping to do other things. I was hoping to spend some time in special teams meetings, spend some time in defensive meetings. When we had the injuries we had, most of my day was spent with Brock trying to figure out the eight. To, I think we had three times where we had eight guys come in. So a lot of that was figuring out which guys are available, how they're going to help us, trying to trying to figure that out more than anything. Um, I was still involved with the offense. I just it was involved differently. Mm-hmm. So I still had my jobs and my responsibilities on the offensive side to do. 
um, you know, and then trying to figure out uh, how to motivate a team and, and what buttons to push and things like that. So, you know, that was more of how my uh, my days went. It, this year it'll be a little bit different. My role on offense will be a little bit more. Um, you know, but we still divide our offense up. So we divide the responsibilities up. At the end of the day, I'll be more responsibility on game day than I did last year. But I'm looking forward to that as well. So, On that note, Jason, we know what Mike Riley can do on the field, obviously. But tell me about Mike Riley dealing with him in the film room, in the meeting room, and on the field as, as the leader. Yeah, he's great. I mean, he, uh, you know, we, towards the end of the year with the injuries we had, we started to do some different things, uh, started to prepare differently. And uh, one of the things was to have players run one of the meetings so the coaches could sit and, and watch more film and get up, come up with their game plans on short weeks. Um, and he was part of that, leading, leading one of the meetings uh, after workouts, which was great. Uh, he spends most of the day, with, uh, you know, in the building, mm-hmm. let's put it that way, preparing, uh, whether it be with the backup quarterback or with myself uh, or Jordan. Uh, this year it's going to be a, a lot of time with Jordan and I after practice like he did the first year. Um, you know, we went away from some things last year, but this coming up year he's comfortable being in the – being where we're trying to develop the game plan. He likes to be involved with that, and he can't get enough of that kind of thing. So uh, I'm excited to get him back in the room so he can hear it uh, right from the beginning while we're putting things in and what we're trying to attack. Well, I hear you literally have to sometimes kick him out of the building. Yeah, no, he's <laughs> he's a gym rat. I mean, he definitely loves to be uh, – I wouldn't say a gym rat as far as loves to be in the gym gym, but <laughs> he, uh, his brawn is, uh, or his brain is unbelievable, though. He, he will stick in there and, and learn something and, and figure out things, and he just loves to hear it and he doesn't need to be you know he's still resting he's still laying on the couch and 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 watching but he's listening and you can tell he's 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 understanding what we're trying to to the reasons why we're putting things in uh and like i said he loves it and i'm I'm happy that you have a quarterback that's like that you ever get tired of talking about i mean like the accolades for mike riley uh he's really turned into I mean, even looking at it from our standpoint, he's he's a great interviewer. He's a good guy. He's a great football player by all reports. He's you know he's the perfect football player for in the dressing room and everything. I mean, there's there's no end to the accolades you can throw at this guy. It seems no question. I mean, uh, I knew he was special. You know, first you know first time you watch him play, how he plays. You know, he plays the way the game's meant to be played at the quarterback position. If you ask me, um, then obviously getting the opportunity to coach him and see what he's all about from day one that I've coached him till now it's nothing's changed I mm-hmm. mean he's just the same guy uh, he's won a ton of games won a great cup he's been the ultimate Eskimo if you ask me and uh, obviously we're very blessed to have him in the building but uh, yeah you could you could throw out every adjective that's positive to describe a guy and it'd be him I mean he's he's that guy he's also the rating MOP and we will have a conversation with him coming up about quarter to seven ten to seven or so tonight uh, Jason Moss Brock Sunderland uh, in studio with us right now Morley Scott along with Dave Campbell it's a 2018 Eskimo preview show we got lots more coming your way here on 630 Ted we'll take a break right now and head to the 630 Ted 24-hour news center to the left, two to the right for Mike Riley who takes the snap. It may not be June yet. Looks to the left and unloads to the left. But you can sense. To the 10, the 5. The Eskimos 70th season is almost here. Almost here. Touchdown Eskimos. This is the Eskimos preview show. And the Eskimos will take the lead. With your hosts, Morley Scott and Dave Campbell on Eskimos Radio. 630 Chad. 
6.33. Good evening, everybody. Thanks for being with us uh, tonight to talk some Eskimo football. We're here till uh, 8 o'clock tonight. Mike Riley's coming up before the top of the clock. Uh, if you're uh, wondering, it's 1-1. Washington and Pittsburgh playing in the second period of that game in Pittsburgh. Penguins have to win to stay alive. Uh, if you're getting excited about football, just a reminder that the season launch party goes at uh, West Edmonton Mall. It'll happen Thursday, May 17th. 6 o'clock starts at the Big Ship, and we'll move from there. Sounds like it could be a pretty cool night at West Edmonton Mall on May the 17th. Uh, Jason Moss and uh, Brock Sunderland in studio with us now. Uh, start with you, Jason. You got to look at guys on the field for three days. Uh, you got to, uh, to spend some time in some meeting rooms with them. What kind of team are you expecting in 2018? Uh, what kind of a team? Um, you know, looking at uh, the type of team we were last year, the type of team that could face adversity and, and move on quickly, um, guys being prepared and ready to go. I mean, I think those are lessons our whole team, you know, you could see the tentativeness in meeting rooms where guys were ready to play, to translate from the film room to the field, understanding that things happen. Um, you know, I expect us to be fast. I expect us to be relentless. Um, you know, I expect us to play as a group and I'm disciplined football. And, you know, at the end of the day, that's what we we, we always want. But uh, looking at how we were on on the at minicamp on the field, you know, guys were in the right place. Uh, I don't know how many penalties we had, but very few. So, you know, when I talk about discipline being a big integral part of what we do, you know, I'm hoping we learned lessons from last year. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, I want guys that'll compete, and I saw that a lot in our in our practices. So, competitive, aggressive group is what I'm looking for. One thing I want to talk about, Jason, is is just the the flexibility your Canadian depth gives you. I mean, you can start three on defense. You got so much depth on your offensive line. How much does that help you with, with setting up the rest of your roster? Um, you know, I think Canadian depth is huge. I mean, I think it's huge on every team. But uh, when you the certain positions we've pe- pegged right now. Uh, for our starters, um, you know, I feel like we got great depth at all those positions. That's huge uh, going into a season, and we all know what happened last year. So, um, but ultimately, from zero to twenty-one or one to twenty-one, I think we're very strong. I mm-hmm. mean, I, I look at you know how you're going to crack our roster as a new guy coming in. It's going to be very difficult. And I think looking at the Canadians in general. I mean, we've got some really talented Canadians, um, some that, you know, are getting more opportunities this year, Nate Bahar and Atea Jay, you know, to have to step up. But, uh, you know, you look at our linebacker position, you know, the three guys there, Kristoff, Konar, and Blair, I mean, veteran guys that now have done it. Um, you know, it looks good. Our secondary uh, is very strong with uh, King, Woodman, Arjun, um, you know, we and the two draft picks that we got. I mean, we're we're looking really good there too. So, I mean, I like our team. I like how competitive we are. Uh, obviously, the strength of our team, uh, if you ask me, is protecting our quarterback. And I think our guys up front do a great job with that. Our Canadian depth there is fantastic. So, we, we do got some young guys though that uh, they need to step up. I want to say Jordan Hoover as well. I was the other guy mm-hmm. in defense that uh, you know is going to lead, uh, help lead this year too. So, you know, I, I think our Canadian talent is what makes this league special, and I think it's going to make what Edmonton is this year special. Uh, you talked about protecting the quarterback. Uh, De'Anthony Batiste, uh, I don't know if it was a surprise to you guys that he retired and, and took the job in Oakland uh, or not, but that kind of creates a bit of a hole. Talk about filling that hole in a pretty important spot uh, at, a, at a tackle spot. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, where we were this time last year, we had four guys that were veteran guys that coming in, uh, shooting for two spots and maybe three. 
Uh, this year we're not we don't have that same that same veteran presence. You know we we've got one guy, Colin Kelly, as a tackle right now. You know Matt O'Donnell's going to have to do some cross training between guard and tackle. But then our our Americans that are coming up to camp, they've got to produce and and they've got to fill the void. Obviously, getting Palmer, who's has some experience from last year, that'll be big. But the other two guys are young uh, to this league, and they're they're going to have some things to learn. Um, but I'm excited about that. I mean, uh, it's an opportunity to see somebody do something new. Um, and obviously, you know, we've scouted him. We've seen him in minicamp. We feel like, you know, we've got some players there. So, Yeah, and on that note, Colin Kelly, when we brought him to the league in 2014 in Ottawa, I was there and brought him in. You know, he hadn't done anything either. So guys need an opportunity before they can become that stalwart player, and you have to trust your scouting. You have to trust the process. And we alluded to this earlier. You can't keep the same roster forever. Yeah. And whether guys move on due to free agency or they retire, so on and so forth, injuries, it's the next man up. And, you know, again, that sounds like a cliche, but it's true. It's somebody needs an opportunity, and they have to start somewhere. So maybe the next Hall of Famer is one of these guys that, that hasn't even hit the field yet. Well, mm-hmm. as I said to many people in the last uh, in, during this offseason, when you're talking about the exes, going, well, well, no one knew who Dexter McCoyle was before he played a game. No one knew who Kenny Ladler was. Uh, there's guy, No one knew who J.C. Sherritt was before mm-hmm. he played a game. There's guys who are coming to camp that are going to win a job and become a perennial all-star in this league. It happens on every team every year somewhere. That's right. And that's just, you know them. You know their names. You know what to expect. But people yeah. haven't heard of them. So uh, it, it, it kind of, everyone kind of gets in a panic until they kind of see the guys play. Exactly. Is there is there a guy that you went out and signed this year for any position that you're really excited to see, really have high expectations for that fits that mold of a guy that we don't really know that much about? I mean, we're excited about all of them, but, uh, you know, I guess the one guy that I'll say, and I've said it before, that jumped out at minicamp, and I think Jason would agree with me here, is a guy, and it doesn't guarantee anything either way, but um, some of that grabbed all of our attention at minicamp was Shaq Cooper, running back. Um, every time he touched the ball, he was downhill. You know, he flipped the field. He was explosive. He can add a little bit of return game. So I think the immediate one is that, but there's all, you know, everyone here is here for a reason. So we're excited about all of them, and it's going to be an open competition, and we'll get the best out of all of them. Well, I guess what's left from now until uh, till the start of training camp. I, you said you got to sign some guys, you got to sign your draft class, but I guess what's left for both of you? A couple of roster moves that we're, we're still talking about. We're still going back and forth on a couple guys that are out there and a couple guys on our roster and then just the medicals. I and mean, that's always, you know, you never want to have a surprise, but sometimes that does happen. So making sure that all these guys can get up here and get the, the medical passed and in particular the players that we didn't see at minicamp just to see where they're at physically when they come in. We had a good eyeball test in Vegas to see how they are, what their training was during the off season. but there's a couple unknowns out there and, you know, sometimes you're surprised both pleasantly and negatively. What's your schedule like between now and, and camp, Jason? I, mean, I know you've, you've got camp all scheduled out, I'm sure, and you got the, the playbook Yeah, all every, done. everything's been scheduled for a couple months now. Um, just finishing up today, we finished up looking through the quarterback reads for camp. You know, we did uh, over the weekend, it was installs, making sure all the scripts are done for training camp. They're all done. Um, so now it'll just be shoring up those. The playbook's pretty much done. It's just got to be a, a bit more edited uh, before we decide to put the final uh, print to it. Um, and coaches come in early next week, and then you know our players, our quarterbacks will come in as well. So really now it's the, the haze in the barn, and you just got to wait for your players to get you to start getting on the field and, and uh, formulating your team. You are probably got anxious at this time in your playing career because you want camp to get here. Are you the same way as a coach? Or? Uh, to be quite honest with you, there's a 
part of me that's very anxious, a part of me that wants to get as much rest as possible because I know how hard <laughs> and long the season is. So I like to enjoy And the other thing with our winter here in Edmonton, I mean, as long as it was, this is the first few nice days we've had, and I'm, I want to soak them up before they're all gone. And you're stuck in here with us. <laughs> <Yeah>. Patio time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I hear you. Uh, I know you'd rather probably be on the patio. Well, if you had extra time, you'd just be in your office watching tape anyway. So <laughs> don't, don't fool us with that stuff. Or um, watch it on the patio. You can do that too. <laughs> uh, Jason Moss, uh, Brock Sano, thanks for your time, guys. Appreciate you uh, you coming in. Uh, I know we'll talk lots during the season. And uh, uh, Jason, we got the show lined up again, uh, coach's yep. show, so that'll start just before the regular season begins. So we uh, look forward to that as well. Uh, guys, thanks for coming. Appreciate it. Uh, best of luck no to you down the stretch. Thanks, thanks gentlemen. Thank All right, that Appreciate is uh, Eskimo VP of Football and General Manager Brock Sunderland, head coach Jason Moss in as well. Uh, we're going to take a break. When we return, we'll speak with the CFL's reigning MOP. Mike Riley will join us when we come back. It's a 2018 preview on 630 Chet. Oh, I guess it's my turn, eh? Welcome back, everybody. Morley Scott along with Dave Campbell. It is a 6.46. This is the 2018 Eskimo Preview Show, spending two hours tonight talking football. We thank, once again, Eskimo's uh, general manager and uh, vice president of football, Brock Sunderland, and head coach Jason Moss for joining us in studio. We've got a couple of big guys sitting outside the window here. I see... Uh, Matt O'Donnell and Justin Sorensen have arrived, so uh, we'll talk to them uh, coming up after uh, 7 o'clock. That should make Mike Riley happy. They're it, punctual. It, it should indeed. They're on time, and uh, we say uh, good evening to Mike Riley. Hey, Mike, how are you? I'm good. How's it going? Uh, it's going very well. Thanks for taking time out tonight to uh, to speak with us. I know we'll have lots of conversations over the next uh, six months, but uh, talking uh, now about an off season that, as we always say, just goes on too long. How'd you spend it? Yeah, it, you know, it does go on too long, uh, but at the same time, it feels like just yesterday I was uh, finishing up at the end of November. You know, it's, uh, it's one of those things where, you know, you're wondering in February, man, is the season going to get here? And then all of a sudden it's May, you know, and we're going to be practicing in, in a week or so. So, um, you know, a lot of the time was spent just training and, and getting ready for this year. And uh, outside of that, just uh, raising my daughter, you know, I. She's at the age now at 18 months where she's all over the place and, uh, you know, the personality is really kicking in and she's talking too much. Um, (laughs) I have to, I have to watch what I say around her because she repeats everything and, uh, going off Morley's tweet earlier today, I don't want to get anybody in, in trouble. Apparently profanity on the airwaves is, uh, is, is something that, uh, the CFL had happened earlier. I don't know what's going on with that. They're Swearing happens in pro sports? <laughs> what? Yeah, they're, they're asking players to, not, not TSN, but apparently the censorship committee is asking players to, to try to watch their language on the field. I just hope <laughs> they don't have a microphone too close to me or I'm going to be in a lot of trouble. So, um, you know, but I think the same could be said for pretty much any player in the league and a majority of the coaches as well. That's just uh, part of football. So, anyhow, uh, back on track. You know, the offseason was great. Um, I'm really excited to, to play this year. You know, every year you get excited for it, uh, but with the Grey Cup in your backyard, um, you get a little bit more excited for sure. Yeah, that's it's kind of a weird situation because everyone talks about the fact that the Grey Cup's here and it'd be really cool if the Eskimos in the Grey Cup. I mean, it, it'd be really cool if the Eskimos in the Grey Cup any year. Like, I'm, I mean, it, it adds a little bit of pressure, but it's kind of weird pressure because you just want to accomplish what you set out to do every year when you start the season, right? It's being a Grey Cup game. Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. I mean, that's the goal of every year. If you ever go into a season and, and your goal is anything other than to win the Grey Cup, um, you're doing it wrong. And uh, your thought process is wrong, and you probably shouldn't be in professional sports. You shouldn't be in the CFL. So um, that's been our goal every single year, obviously. 
you know, there's times in our franchise history that we've we've made it, and there's times where we've fallen short. And last year was one of those times where we fell short. But uh, so did you know seven other teams, and and only one team gets to be the champion. So that's our goal every year is to be be that champion. Um, you know. And yeah, I guess for the fan base, maybe they they think, man, this year I really want to be in it. But I would imagine they probably feel that way every year. Coach Moss said uh, earlier in in the hour that you know we talk about motivation, and I mean I think football players can easily find it. But he said there's enough motivation, um, you know, for for this team uh, going off of what happened last year in the semifinal or in the West final that is uh, falling short in Calgary. Uh, uh, how much does that game still, uh, I guess, enter your thoughts? Yeah, that's certainly. You know, motivation, there's no doubt. Again, any time that you don't win the Grey Cup, you fell short, and you should be motivated to, to correct the errors that, that caused you to fall short. But in, in regards to your question and kind of what he was alluding to, you know, I remember in 2013 not making it to the playoffs, and then 2014 getting to the West Final but falling short in Calgary and, and feeling that off season that, you know, that is not – the place you want your season to end um, in your provincial rivals yard and and spending that offseason thinking man you know I'm not going to allow that to happen again I'm not going to lose to Calgary in the division final and it starts with winning the division in the regular season so you can play at home in the playoffs um, but having that feeling and having that drive you all offseason and, and this this past year very similar you know just like in 2014 we lost uh, in the West Final in Calgary, and, and you spend five and a half, six months um, trying to figure out ways to improve so that you don't have that same situation. So that a, you know, you're playing at home in the West Final, and b, uh, that you know you win that game regardless of where you're playing or who you're playing against. And so that's ultimately number one goal for us this year is to make it through the regular season and put ourselves in a position to play at home um, by winning the division. And uh, you know, I think it's proven over the last however many years, four or five years or whatever it is that, uh, you know, the team that wins the West final, uh, or I'm sorry, the team that wins the West division uh, ends up winning the West final and getting into the Grey Cup. So uh, that's step number one. But, uh, you know, that's kind of what the last five and a half months have been about is figuring out how to make sure uh, that our season doesn't end in the same manner that it did last year. There's uh, not a ton of changes to your offense this year, except for in a, in a couple places. And oh, you're going to have a, a new tackle on the offensive line. Uh, you've lost uh, Brandon Zilstra and Darius Bowman, but uh, there's obviously a lot of talent uh, in that receiving core. And I don't think you'll lose much, if anything, with the loss of those guys. With some of the guys you, you know, that they plan to bring in, how different? I mean, a running back too. You got C.J. Gable and John White there. Uh, how different is this offense going to be, or is it going to be much different? Is it just going to be more of the same. It's been pretty electric the last two, three seasons. Do you expect it just to to, to roll over with the changes and, and be as good as it's been? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I expect that we'll be better, um, you know, than we were last year. I, I felt like last year we were approved um, from the 2016 season, uh, you know, and I expect us to be better uh, this year than we were last year. Uh, you know, I think that having a vast majority of our players be returning players the system's not new to them um you know the expectation is that you continue to improve um that you know it's another year under the belt where the guys know what's expected um you know training camp goes at a quicker pace because guys aren't learning things for the first time 
um, you know, they have a deeper understanding, um, you know, and your young guys that were, you know, asked to contribute um, are now considered kind of veteran guys and, and they're expected to, to play as such and they're going to, you know. So um, it is tough anytime that you lose certain pieces on your team, but I do think that, uh, you know, the thing that's been a strength of our team is the way that our front office, um, you know, for, for the entire time since I've been in Edmonton with both Ed and now with Brock, certainly, um, you know, is, is that they don't allow us to lose pieces until we're ready to lose them. And so, um, you know, nobody that's, you know, exited from our team uh, is gone without a, a replacement strategy in place that we're comfortable with. Otherwise, you know, Brock would not have let them go. Uh, and so that's why we haven't been put in a bad position, even with, you know, whatever the heck the number of injuries that we had last year, we were still able to field a, a very successful football team. Um, you know, but this year I do think, uh, you know, we're going to be better. We're going to be more dynamic. And I think the ball's going to get spread out more. You know, we have a full year uh, with CJ instead of just the last third of the season. And when John gets healthy, having him uh, there with CJ as a one-two punch in the run game certainly makes us um, – you know, harder to defend because teams aren't going to know whether we're passing or running the ball. Uh, and then in the pass game, you know, we don't have Zilstra and Darius, but what we do have is we have five, six, seven guys, including the depth of our, our Canadian talent. Um, and with Kenny and Bryant, um, you know, we have the ability to spread the ball across the entire field to any receiver, and there's no weak link. You know, you're not going to sit there and see a guy catch 15 balls in a game because, um, it's going to get distributed evenly because everybody has that ability. So that's what I think is going to make our offense so dangerous this year. Well, that excites me because I can throw lots of stats at you in post-game interviews then. <laughs> God, I can't wait. I can't wait for you to tell me percentage. Yeah, me too. Between 12 and 13 yards uh, between the right hash and the right number. Uh, well, if you don't know that, if I don't tell you, how do you know that? That's, that's a good point, man. You know, I, I, I record in a notebook everything that you tell me. And, and no, you I study don't. It to me. You know, no, I don't. I think you probably lie to me half the time, and I don't even know the difference. So it's just the way it goes. Mike, this is kind of a weird question. You were the, the most outstanding player in the Canadian Football League last year, uh, but I know you want to get better still. What kind of approach do you have in the off season? I mean, you had the best season you had in your career, and I know you didn't win the Grey Cup, and I know that's the most important thing, but uh, on a personal level, you probably played better than you've ever played in your life last year. How do you go about trying to be better? Because I know that's what the goal is. Yeah, for sure. You know, I, I do think that was probably the best football that I've played. Um, you know, and I, I think Terry had asked me this a couple of years ago, asked me, hey, you know, I think it was after the 2014 season, he said, you know, last year was, was your best year. You expect it to improve this year. And, and my comment to him and anybody else that ever asked me the question is that you know, the minute that I feel like I cannot improve um, is the year that I retire and hang them up. Because, you know, if, if you're not getting better, um, you're not going to be good enough. Everybody else in the league is getting better every single year. The competition and the challenging things that defenses are throwing at us um, now compared to when I first came in the league in 2010, it's insane. You know, the, the coverages and the zones and the mans and the, the little hybrid things that they're doing uh, with the athletes that they have on defense, um, you know, you wouldn't even recognize it if you looked at 2010 compared to now and what they're doing. And it's so challenging, and that's why you always have to try to improve in the off season. And for me, um, you know, I'm at 33 years old, and I, I know I still have a ton of great football left to play. 
You know, I've watched guys like Ricky Ray. I've watched guys like Henry Burris, Anthony Calvillo, you know, really hit their stride in their mid-30s and late-30s and play some of their best football at that time. And the reason is because they have a mental understanding uh, far beyond what younger guys are capable of doing. And, and at our position, that's so important. Um, so for me, it's to continue to try to, to improve in the mental part of football, um, but also to make sure that I do everything that I can uh, to be available for my team. You know, when you're 25 years old, you feel like you can do anything. Um, you know, you're never going to be affected physically by it. Uh, when you get in your 30s, you realize that doesn't just happen anymore. You actually have to work towards it. So, you know, I, I've been working with a nutritionist uh, during the off season to try to figure out what advantages I can get, um, you know, in my meal habits. And we've changed a lot of things that have been really mm-hmm. beneficial, um, you know, and just in terms of stretching and preventative um, maintenance, going to massage therapy every week during the off-season. That's something I do during the season all the time, but I never did in the off-season. I've done that the entire off-season this year, just making sure that everything, um, you know, is good and loose and ready to go. Um, you know, because, like I said, you don't, it doesn't matter how good you are mentally, um, if something happens on a field, you know, there's three things that happen. My knee in 2015, there's no stretching or anything I could have done to prevent that. But there are things on the field, soft tissue injuries that our team dealt with a lot last year that can be prevented by, you know, doing maintenance every single day. And so that's stuff that I've really tried to focus on. Um, you know, I've picked a lot of guys' brains about it. You know, I know that uh, Ricky had made a comment to somebody in town in the media that, you know, he did a ton of foam rolling last year, and that's what kept him uh, you know, healthy and able to play. So I've, I've tried to pick up some of that. So, um, you know, there's always things on the field that you can do to improve, but really um, I've started to focus on some of the off-the-field stuff too just to try to give myself every advantage that I can. I, I think you see that with Tom Brady's special that he put out, you know, all the stuff that he does to try to make sure that he can stay healthy and play as long as he can. That stuff's important. Mike, uh, as always, appreciate your time. Uh, we're out of time here. We have to head to the newsroom now. Thanks for your time tonight. I uh, really look forward to seeing you next week and uh, or a week after and talking some more football. Enjoy what's left of the offseason. Thanks, man. I appreciate you guys. I'll see you when you're in town. I assume it's going to be uh, wheeling the microphones out the door because I know those big boys aren't going to be able to sit in that booth with you. So uh, good luck with that. Thank you. We need it. All right, Mike. Talk to you later. Right. Thanks, Thanks very much. Bye. That is the uh, CFL's reigning MOP, Mike Riley, Eskimo quarterback. Uh, we'll, I'm sure, hear lots from him over the next six months. We'll take a break now. Head to the newsroom and be back with more. We'll talk with the old lineman when we return. This is a uh, preview for the 2018 Edmonton Eskimos season.